Brandon was a little spooked coming up here. I had to tell him though we're we're about out of starters, so we gotta gotta start going to the bench. So it's good for him. So I don't even know how to start here. Um, this will probably be my last sermon, so to speak, on Sunday night. You know, we don't have. Amber and I don't have too many of those left here. Um, and I think everybody's pretty much out of tears. We good? So we're just out of crying? Yeah, yeah. Good. They're all out by the time I come out here, up here. So, but, um, you know, I was, I was thinking to myself, you know, how, how can I, you know, summarize my entire time here, you know, I don't, I don't even know how I would do that without rambling. So I guess I'll just have to ramble, you know, for a little while. Um, um, I told, um, I told pastor years ago, um, when we were first starting the Red Bluff Park ministry, um, I had just recently came, you know, I was recently married, Amber and I had just, you know, you know, had come, come into the church and, and, um, just really started to give my heart, you know, to Jesus in a way that I never had before. And I told him that I, I wanted to be a part of something that was starting, you know, instead of just coming in at the, you know, in the middle. And, you know, I wanted to see a mini, you know, ministry start. And little did I know that we were going to start that one, and then we were going to start the Chico ministry, and then, and I was just going to be involved in all of that. And, uh, but with all those ministries, you know, we don't do that anymore. We started them, and then they stopped, you know, and it just showed me that that we, uh, that the Lord really has sovereignty over, over his ministry. You know, we don't get to decide when to start, when to stop, when it comes to the things of the Lord. We, we can do that with our own st- stuff. But the Lord decides when a thing is finished and when a thing translates into something different the lord and we're no strangers to that you know but i i remember i was um you know when i was in church camp when i was like i don't know 18 years old or something like that you know getting together with the kids there and all of them had these grand ideas about what they were going to do for the lord one of them was like i'm going to be a rapper for jesus i'm like i don't i'm not sure that's how that works i'm not sure we get to just you know decide what we're going to do Usually it doesn't work that way. Usually when we come to the Lord, we just give the Lord a list of things we're not going to do. In fact, coincidentally, I told the Lord I'm not going to stand in front of a pulpit and preach, and yet here I am. So it shows you just how, you know, how the Lord just works. You know, me being a very poor communicator, just ask Amber about that, and yet I'm called to teach. How does that even work? You know, how, how does a person even do that? Only with the call of, of the Lord does that happen. And so, um, throughout all of the endeavors of this body um, that we attempt to do by the will of God, I've learned that Jesus never closes a door without opening another. You know, and so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I told Austin last week, you know, I'm getting really tired of the lasts. I'm getting really done with that. I'm, I'm ready for some firsts. Let's just start those, some first things. You know, we got a lot of last things coming up. I'm looking forward to uh, some firsts. So, 
just a little brief history uh, of myself and what I'm going to preach tonight. Um, I first started coming to this this church. Um, shoot, I think I was. I don't even think I was a senior in high school. I I know that I was younger than my son is now. And I know that right now I'm older than Pastor was when he first opened the church. So it shows you how time flies. But um, when, I, when I first started going to youth group, we had this title of our youth group, and it was called Reborn. Does anybody remember Reborn? We had the cool maroon T-shirts. It's our favorite color, maroon. You know, Chairs were all maroon, and so we had to have that. Reborn from John 3.3. 3. And so... That is what I'm going to be preaching out of tonight, is John 3.3, the the, uh, mantra of our youth group way back in the day. So if you'll turn with me there, John 3.3, very familiar setting of scripture. Um, This is Jesus speaking. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, if one does not receive birth from above, he is not able to see the kingdom of God. If you are not birthed from above, you are not able to see the kingdom of God. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we we just thank you, Lord, for being here tonight, Lord, for the opportunity to once again be in your house, Lord. Lord, let us just take advantage, Lord, of, of this time, Lord, forgetting what's going on next week, Lord, or, or what's gone on this last week, Lord, but being here together, Lord, Lord, to hear your word, Lord, anoint me, Lord, to preach the message that you put on my heart, Lord, and anoint those who are hearing, Lord, Lord, to open up their understanding, Lord, because your things cannot be just spoken, Lord, they have to be revealed, and so I ask, Lord, that you will just Anoint, Lord, those of us here, Lord, to reveal yourself to us. Amen. The phrase born again, probably the most common phrase in Christendom, is the even evangelical Christendom anyway, is to be born again. And so what does that phrase really mean? So I began to look in some really popular Christian websites on, on their definition of it. So I have a few here. The long one is, the phrase born again applies to people who have accepted Jesus as their Savior or Redeemer. The born again soul realizes that they are sinners and that the penalty for that sin is death. To rectify the circumstances, God sent his only son to die in their place to take the punishment for sin. And after Jesus' death, he arose from the dead. Jesus is the only one to God, and he provides the blessing of salvation. Each person has the choice to receive or reject God's gift through faith and experience new birth. Whoever follows Jesus as Jesus as Christ, the Son of God, and has accepted his gift of life can be called Christian. That is where the journey of rebirth begins. And then we have a very short definition, which is born again. Christians are, the, Christians are those who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And, you know, I read that real long definition, yet that is still such an oversimplification of what it is to be born again. Um, you know, I, I used to watch uh, Ray Comfort and Kirk Cameron. I can't even remember what the show was that they had. But they used to go around L.A. area, and they used to convince people that they were sinners through, a, you, know, you know, asking them if they ever sinned, then explaining what sin is. And 
they had this belief that if they can just convince somebody that they were sinners, then those people would see their sin and then repent and give their life to, to the Lord. Well, that kind, of, that kind of teaching, it promotes forgiveness, but that's not born again. That's not what it is. Simply accepting the Lord. What does that mean to accept the Lord? You know, sometimes in church we just say these phrases and we don't really understand the meaning of them. To accept the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And we say that and now we're saved. But yet is he Lord? That's kind of a big one. Is he actually commanding your life? Is he actually running things? Are you actually, do you actually feel like you are indebted to him? Um, those, that is what it really means to be born again, is that understanding. And that kind of understanding doesn't come by simply asking the Lord for forgiveness. So Jesus will say um, later in, in this setting that you are not even able to see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. You can, in some translations, says you can't even perceive the things of God without being born again. So you can't even understand what Jesus is saying without a born-again experience. Now, you can understand that you're a sinner. You can understand your own place. But I remember looking in the scriptures, even being in youth group, and just not even knowing what they were saying. Just looking at the things of God and going, Lord, I don't even know what these mean. Because I had asked the Lord for forgiveness, but I was not yet interested in having a new life in Christ. You know, I was actually kind of liked my old life. I kind of liked the things that I was doing. And really, I just wanted to kind of have Jesus as the cherry on top of what otherwise is a pretty decent cake. You know, I think very highly of myself, you know, so I thought I was, I was doing pretty good. But there was a point in time where I had been in youth group for, for years. Um, I remember coming to pastor's house by myself. I remember sitting in his office. And I remember, he probably doesn't even remember this, but I remember saying, I don't think I'm capable of serving the Lord. Like, I don't think I have that ability in me to do it. And I said, maybe I'm just one of those people that are just doomed to not serve Jesus. You know, what does a guy say to that? <laughs> I felt bad for pastor. What, is, what does a person say to that kind of talk? There's nothing to say. And I've had that conversation recently with, with people very close to me um, and understanding that when they said to me almost word for word what I, just, what I said to pastor, I just looked at them. I can't explain it to you. I cannot talk you into this thing. I have sat behind this pulpit and taught many different concepts, many different things, but the reborn experience is something that I cannot just talk about and I cannot pass on to somebody through words. I can't do it. It has to be something that a person decides to do, that a person comes to a point where they know that they can go no further. And yet, there are Christian bookstores filled with self-help guides for people that had the same struggle. There are people that they come to church, they, 
They read their Bible. They even pray, yet they do not have a born-again experience, and they don't understand why, so they pick up the next self-help book that's sitting in the book, Christian bookstore and try to figure out, you know, their best life now and all that stuff, and not understanding that there's no way to have a rebirth with this same old guy walking around. Even Nicodemus will say this. Even Nicodemus will have this, this problem. Because, the born, because Christendom has, has taken the born-again experience and has reduced it to this formulaic mod, mantra and just this, you know, repeat after me, and there's no, there's these inadequate calls to altar calls, you know, that you just come down here and you say something. And if you just accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you, you are now born again. And nobody who has not been born again can, how do I put this? There is nobody who has not been born again that is under the illusion that they have been. Because I knew I was not born again. I had come to church. I had been part of the youth group. I'd done skits. I'd known all of you for years. And I knew that I was lacking. I knew that. And there are thousands and thousands of American Christians out there that know that they are lacking and nobody is telling them that they're right. What they're telling them is, you're wrong. No, 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 no. You just need to, you need to do this. You need to, to have confidence in yourself. You need to, to, you know, just have a good self-esteem and the Lord's going to be with you and all this nonsense and what they're doing is they're lying to the people. And because they're lying to the people, the people can never come to a place where they can truly say, this isn't enough, and look for something better. And look for something better. It is an illusion of salvation. That even those who profess it know that, that their hearts are empty. That they are lacking. Because they've accepted a Lord and Savior, but they've accepted a Lord that doesn't give them any commandments. And a Lord that has not changed their life. And so is it no wonder that Nicodemus will turn to Jesus and say, how does a man being old be born again? Enter back in his, his mother's womb. Well, let me tell you something, Nicodemus. You can't. It's not possible. You cannot take the old man into the new life. It's not even possible. And yet we are trying to do that. And yet looking back now, over the years, I can understand very simply now what my problem was, is I'm trying to take this old man into the kingdom of God, and he doesn't belong there. He has no place there. He cannot be renewed. This old man cannot turn over a new leaf. There's no new leaf to turn over. He has to go by the wayside. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, Do not lie to one another, since you are stripped of the old self with its evil practice, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. It is a putting off of the old man and taking on the new birth of the new man. But until you take care of the old man, there is no new man to be had. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 27 through 28, Jesus will give us a glimpse into this when he's talking to his disciples. 
He says, says, then Peter responded and said to him, behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will be there for us? And Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you that you who have followed me into the regeneration, into the regeneration. What is regeneration? It's a new birth. They are, they are in the place they are now, but there is a new abode for them, pastor. A new abode for them. A new place for them to walk in, and that's a walk in a new life and a new birth. But until they realize that this man's got to go, they're never going to get a new birth. In, first, in fact, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, Peter has come to this knowledge and this revelation And he says, since you have purified your souls in obedience to the truth for the sincere love of the brothers and sisters, fervently love one another from the heart, for you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 36, Paul says, foolish ones, what you sow is not made alive, Unless it dies. Unless it dies. In John chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls on the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. If it dies. See, we've we've looked at the miracle working power of Jesus Christ as his forgiveness alone. And it's good. I, I, I appreciate the forgiveness of the Lord. Without the forgiveness of the Lord, I'm not here. You know, the grace of God taking me through my ups and downs and growing me, we need that. We need that forgiveness. But, but the miracle working power of taking something that is dead and bringing it to life, that is the miracle working power of Jesus Christ. And that is what he is offering all of us. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And we've heard that time and time again, and yet we we all keep trying to save this old life. We I we keep trying to hold on to it. You know, I remember um I'm gonna tattle on myself a little bit here. But I remember thinking to myself when Amber and I were going through really hard marital, marital troubles, and I thought to myself, you know, I haven't divorced her. I, my dad left me when I was, you know, a little kid, and I hardly ever talked to him. I haven't done that to my kids, so I can't be doing too bad. Yeah, I actually thought that to myself. That was an actual thought. And I actually remember thinking, you know, kind of patting myself on the back for, you know, you know, yeah, she's lucky to have a guy like me. <laughs> you know, you know, thinking that. But when I was reborn, I remember looking in the mirror and going, I don't see any redeeming quality about myself. What am I trying to hold on to? What exactly am I trying to preserve here? I, my marriage is falling apart. My kids aren't going to know their father. And all of my own making, exactly what part of me is really good that I need to be trying so hard to hold on to it? And when I had that thought, 
Jesus presents the cross. Because that's the mindset that every Christian has to come to. That there is no redeeming quality about you. It isn't about like, well, you know, I got a couple of flaws and, you know, Jesus and I, we're just going to work on those flaws and we're going to be good. No, there's nothing here that's worth saving. There's nothing in me that's worth saving. And when I can come to that, that is what it means to deny yourself. Denying yourself isn't, you know, well, I'm just going to abstain from sugar, which I have been, and it's been good, but that's not really... That's not really denying yourself. Denying yourself is, I am no longer trying to save this guy. He's not worth saving. I need something new. I need a new life. And it's only after you put yourself on the cross does that resurrection birthing power come. It's only after you die. And yet we have so many people, ministers out there trying to, trying to tell you, you can get your best life now, right now. Your best life. Hold on to that life of yours. Hold on to it. It's good. You just have to do, buy my book, do these things, and you're going to have your best life now. And you are going to have your best life. Let me read you a a quote. Um, Oh, did I write it down? No. Oh, yeah, here it is. If you believe, this is, this is John MacArthur talking about Joel Osteen's book, Your Best Life Now. This is what he says. If you believe in what he says in that book, Your Best Life Now, this will be your best life because it's a whole lot better than the next one. This is as good as it gets. If you believe that holding on to that old man and trying to make him something that he'll never be is going to work for you, you are going to get your best life. It's the best you're going to get. But I'm looking for something better. I'm looking for something better. And we can thank Mr. Osteen, Osteen for making mainstream this doctrine. And I'm going to kind of harp on the word of faith doctrine a little bit. Because he's made it mainstream. Where it was, you know, you know, the kooks out there, the Creflo dollars, those people, Kenneth Hagins, and people kind of, you know, you know, those guys are a little kooky. No, he's made this mainstream. All word of faith is doing is trying to make your old man look really good. That that it has power that it doesn't have. It's trying to make your old man regenerate by your own words. And it has nothing but failure attached to it. You're never going to get anywhere doing that. But yet, it's all about preserving this old life, preserving this old man. And you are never going to experience a born-again process by trying to hold on to this old guy. It's just never going to happen. When a person finally concludes that their life is not, not worth preserving, then the decision to crucify themselves is just that much easier. It's really hard to get on a cross when you think that you're worth saving. It's really hard. When you're trying to take your, when you're trying to stay alive on the cross, that's excruciating. But when you decide to get yourself on the cross knowing you're going to die, you can get on it. You can do it. You can do it. Once you finally realize what you are, what, who you are, and what you're all about, what you're all about. There's this, I want to read a, a very familiar setting of scripture. This is Luke chapter 15, verse 17. Um, this is the prodigal son, but I, I think it's just so fitting here. Again, Luke 15 and verse 17. But when he being the prodigal son, 
came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired laborers have, have, more, have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here from hunger? I will set out and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired laborers. When he came to his senses. Such a simple term, but such a profound term. When he came to his senses. What sense did he come to? That whatever my father asked me to do is better than what I got going on here. That's the experience I had. As I'm looking at my life going, this is just destruction. What the Lord's asking me to do can't be any worse than this. It can't be worse than, what I, than the bed I've already made for myself. I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give this up. And that's what he did. He came to his senses. He opened up his eyes. This is the experience that preachers can't give to people is the opening of their eyes. I can't, no, no matter how eloquent I am, and I can be eloquent at times, times not so much. No matter how eloquent I am, no matter what, how much teaching I can do, I can never open somebody's eyes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can never open somebody's eyes to who they really are in the sight of God. I can never do that. It's something they have to come, it is a revelation. It is a revelation that they have to come to. And it's amazing, though, that once you come to it, every word that's been spoken from every pulpit that you've heard suddenly be, has new life in it. So I remember coming to repentance, true repentance, saying, this guy has got to go, and God raising me up again, and suddenly every sermon that Pastor and Rodney had spoken just got new life in it. I suddenly can look at the Scripture and understand what the Lord is trying to say. I could suddenly hear a sermon and hear the voice of the Lord calling me to something better. I could hear him for the first time. And why is that? Because I can now perceive the kingdom of God because I've been born again. Amen. Amen. Who told that prodigal son to come to that conclusion? Who, who revealed it to him? Did a psychiatrist do it? A self-help book? You know, a best friend? No. An awakening. I bet you that guy remembered what his father had taught him from his birth. That he's looking at that pig pen and remembering the compassion of his father and remembering what he taught him and said, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to submit myself to that. You know, I asked, um, you know, I, the last time I preached, um, I was talking about servitude, and I asked this question, you know, what is, what is a servant owed? What does a servant deserve? What does a dead man deserve? What is a dead man owed? Zero. But a dead man that has been given new life, what kind of debt does that man owe? What kind of debt does that woman owe? A debt that can never be paid back. A debt that can never be made, made whole. All I can do now is give the life that I've been born into back to Jesus and say, Lord, you gave me the life. It's your life to lead now. 
I'm just a, I'm just a minister. I'm just a servant. I'm just a guy up here trying to do what the Lord has for me to do because I owe him everything. Because the life that I lead now is not possible from the guy that I had, that I was born with, the guy that I made myself into. That's not even possible. I can't have that here. It's all the Lord. And as the, and he gives me new life, and then he continues to mature that life and grow that life, and the debt just keeps piling up. I can never repay. I can never do enough work. I can never suffer enough. I can never come under the yoke of the Lord enough to pay him for what he's already done. And that is the rebirthing experience, is to understand that concept, that who you are can be made new, can be made into something more. But it's a step of faith. It is, pro- it is the first step of faith that a person has to walk out because I cannot give it to them. I cannot give it to those who are in my classes. I can't give it to those that I work with. I can't give it to them. All I can do is show them the way. I can show them where to go, and they have to take the steps. But once they do, then a new life begins then a new life begins. Amen? Amen. The world can never understand the born-again experience because it is still alive, but yet it isn't alive. It's dead. It's a dead man walking. This world is a dead man walking, and it thinks it's alive. And it thinks it has a future, and it has no future. The world out there is, is going nowhere, but the life in Christ is leading to everlasting life. Amen? It is... The world is walking out its own destruction. It's just walking it out. It's only a matter of time. I suppose if I could reveal something to the people, if I could reveal anything to the people, it would be this concept. If I could just choose something that the Lord gave me the power to just reveal something to somebody, it would be this. But I don't have that power. All I can do is explain to people what the Lord did in me, and they may may perhaps see that I'm not that special, I'm not that great, and that they could have it too. Amen? So, let me just leave you with this. So, after this time, you know, of my born-again experience, you know, truly being made alive in Christ, you know, I, I stopped doing the, you know, Lord, you know, I'm not going to do this for you. Lord, don't make me preach. I just said, Lord, whatever. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. I don't know what it is that I can do, but I will do. I can remember specifically when I finally really kind of, you know, I really understood the life that the Lord had given me. You know, I had repented. You know, we were, I was just trying to do right by the Lord. I'm sitting in a service in Pastor Bill's church, probably one of the last times he, you know, he was preaching. And let me just give you a little bit of backstory here. I don't get prophesied over, ever. Like, I remember, you know, Roderick would just get prophesied over. He he was like a spotlight for for being prophesied over. I remember one time, and Rodney was too. In fact, Rodney was prophesied over at this this service. He would always get prophesied over. I remember sitting in a a line, uh, a prayer line with Roderick, and he's standing right next to me. And the preacher's going through, and he's just prophesying over everybody. And he gives this eloquent prophecy over, over Roderick about all sorts of things, and then he just skips me and just, just 
And I'm like, I, I was probably the only guy in that line that never got prophesied over. I'm like, oh, all right. I guess I'm just not meant to be. I guess it's just not really what I'm, what I'm about. Because the Lord's just not interested in saying anything to me in that, that way. I was prophesied over one time by Pastor Bill. And a lady was good enough to type that prophecy out. And so I'm going to read it to you. Uh, it said, the good shepherd leads the sheep, and I shall lead and guide, and I shall direct thy life. For I have put my unction and anointing upon thee, and I shall guide thy lips and speak my word. And I shall put within thee a desire to bless and deliver and to free. Fear not what the Lord shall do for thee, for the Lord shall work mightily within thee by his spirit. Very simple, yet it, it just summed up that the Lord really did give me new life. That I wasn't just doing this in vain. That the Lord didn't just raise me up just for another guy to sit in a pew. But he had raised me up for his good purpose. And in that good purpose, I found life in just trying to do the will of God. And the Lord has been faithful to that prophecy. This was nine years ago that that was made. Nine years ago, and the Lord has been faithful to it those nine years. Every time I've opened up the word of God, every time I've asked the Lord to, to, for me to see something, Lord, and I, I just did it. And, you know, get, getting up here is not easy for a guy like me. I, I don't even, I don't, I'm a quiet guy. I don't really enjoy speaking in front of people. But the Lord has always been faithful, always been faithful. And so I will leave you with this. You know, I hope I... I hope I've uh, done right by you people. You know, I hope I have um, given back a little of what this body has given to me. You know, and I could never do that. But it's been a pleasure to serve. It's been an honor to serve. I, I cannot see myself not serving in this body. And I will continue to do that to the best of my ability by the, by the Lord's will. And so I want to thank everybody here. You know, we're not leaving for a couple more weeks, but, you know, I, I just thought I would take this opportunity to thank everybody for riding it out with me all those years of coming in and out, you know, and yet here we are. And the Lord is faithful. The Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Pastor.